Hello everyone, this is Dave. This is the story of Amy. I wanted to tell this story in the hopes that it helps others know that they're not alone and that there's help out there. I'm going to apologize if I get a little emotional. This is not easy. I also want to say that I'm going to be talking about some very personal things, Frank. But I am, even though she's gone, I still very much protective of her. So if you're listening to this and you have something not nice to say about it, honestly, um, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear any judgment on her. Because... Like I said, I'm just very protective of her, and um, I am not going to respond kindly. Without that out of the way, um, Amy was a very beautiful person inside and out. I don't think I've ever met anybody with a more giving heart. <laughs> she would just listen and talk to people. Her laughter filled up her room. She could be in a group of a thousand people all laughing, and I could pick her laugh out. Um, she was a uh, kindergarten teacher uh, for a lot of her adult life. She loved children. She loved animals. <laughs> She actually had a phobia of birds, except penguins. For some reason, penguins she liked. She hated cats, but cats loved her. <laughs> and she said she hated cats, but every time a cat came around, she just her, her heart would melt. So I think that was just something she said. Um, Amy had a lot of demons. Um, I should say that she was a uh, ballerina. A professional ballerina. Uh, she danced for the New York City Ballet. She loved to dance. Her parents uh, put her in dance when she was very young because she was so clumsy. <laughs> she couldn't walk in a straight line. And I, I think for all their efforts, uh, it, it didn't work. <laughs> she was a wonderful dancer, but boy, klutzy as they come. Um, she often, well, she did when she was at the New York City Ballet, she would dance in the uh, Nutcracker every year. They offered her several different roles, and she didn't want them. She wanted the same role every year, and that was the Sugar Plum Fairy. And I, I can't think of a more fitting uh, role for her. Um, 
She made Brushnikov cry with her dance. Uh, she was at Juilliard uh, doing a summer program. He came in to look at the dancers, and he danced. She danced for him, as the, all the dancers did. And he wept. Um, she told me that he said that her technique is not the the best he's ever seen. But she had very expressive eyes, and she danced with her eyes. And I think um, if you had met Amy, you would know that would be true because she had these big, beautiful blue eyes. And <laughs> window to her soul, that's for sure. Um, so with that, um, I'm just going to tell her story a little bit. Um, as far as I understand it, uh, Amy, like I said, she was damaged. Uh she was a victim of sexual assault. I'm not sure how many times. I know she was hospitalized one time by uh, an individual that decided that he, she was never gave him any idea that she was interested or anything like that. He decided that he was just she was for him, and when she re rejected him, um, she literally, he literally beat her into uh, a hospital bed. Um, in fact, she had some um, brain damage because of it. Um, she definitely had some uh, body dysmorphia issues, eating. She uh, struggled with uh, her weight. Um, I th I'm sure that came from being a ballerina. It was a very intense process. Um, they had to be a certain shape, a certain size. Uh, I remember her telling me she had to tape her boobs down because they were too big. <laughs> um, it was a very intense world, and um, she got into that intense world uh, more and more, even as a kid. Um, she got involved with drugs and alcohol. Um, she was engaged, I think, twice, I believe. Um but as she said, she had to kiss many frogs to get to her prince, which she said was me. <laughs> which I always thought was funny because uh, she um, was born in New Jersey and grew up in the New Jersey, New York area. And, uh, you know, uh, I think Maine was probably the last place she thought she would end up. Um, but she did. Uh, she moved up here with a boyfriend who was not kind to her. Um, in fact, uh, one of the first times um, we uh, talked was uh, she was up here newly and um, she didn't know a lot of people and her boyfriend at the time uh, hit her uh, hit her hard uh, the police were called and uh, she went to the police station she didn't want to go back so she called me because she didn't have anybody else that she thought she could call. And so that was one of the first times I really got to talk to her about what was going on. Um, I picked her up at the, the police station. Um, our first date, um, <laughs> uh, she said she was an avid hiker. She was not. <laughs> um, she thought she was a hiker. So um, I said, um, you know, let's go um, help my hike Mount Major. And she said, great. And I said, I'll pick you up. Great. So I picked her up, and I think the first clue that I thought something was wrong was 
uh, she was, she's from New Jersey, so she loves her leopard print and she was wearing uh, pink with leopard, uh, purple leopard print sneakers. So, okay. So I figured maybe she's, she had a backpack where there's like, oh, maybe she got her boots in there. She did not. <laughs> uh, we got to Mount Major and we got to the bottom parking lot, we walked out, started on the trail. And then she said, where's the trail? I looked at her and said, what are you talking about? Where's the trail? I don't see the trail. The trail's right here. Where? We're on it. And she says, it's not paved. <laughs> no, it was not paved. <laughs> started walking up the mountain. And slowly but surely, the, the complaints started coming out. And we got to this place where it's uh, like a ledge. Just kind of rock. Um, like a, a worn out, worn down rock. It could be slippery if there was ice on it type thing. And I started walking up it and uh, I noticed she wasn't next to me. And I turned around and she was at the bottom of the ledge just before it started with this look on her face, like not red with embarrassment, but red with anger. And she just started shaking her head and going, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. I was like, what, what's the problem? Now, mind you, as this is going on, there's like three-year-olds walking by us. And I'm like, what's the problem? Just, I can't do this. I can't do this. What, what, what do you mean you can't do this? It's just, I, I'm standing. I'm not using all fours. I'm, I'm walking up. I, I can't do this. And so I had to go down and I held her hand and I walked her up. <laughs> and she was, and she went silent. So if you ever knew Amy as being silent, this is a problem. So we got to the top and at the top, there's this uh, little like three um, sided rock wall, if you will, like a little, like it was like a base of a house. And she, um, her uh, arms folded on top of the, the, the wall and looking out over the, the view with this scowl on her face. She was pissed that I brought her here. But she couldn't say anything because she told me that she liked to hike. So I said, well, you ready to go back down? And she said, yeah, let's go back down. She said, we're not going back down the same way. We're not going back down the same way. I said, okay, no, we'll go, we'll go the, the back side. So we went down the back side, and that might have been even worse. <laughs> because there was, right when you go down, there's just this small walkway, like a little uh, switchback, and she was freaking out. And she said, you go front first. I'm like, okay. And then she literally buried her head in my back um, and, like, just kind of grabbed onto my shirt <laughs> so she wouldn't fall. But she did. She did great. Um, and we got, we got all the back, way back down. I said, so, um, you're a habit hiker, huh? <laughs> and she goes, well, where I hike in, in, uh, New Jersey, it was called uh, the Wachong mountain. Um, <laughs> it's paved paths. It's not a mountain. It like, <laughs> it might go up on 200 feet. So, uh, that was really the last time we hiked a significant height. We went on a few others here and there, but that was, that was it. So that was our first day. Um, and uh, it just grew from there. Um, I bought the studio with her um, in uh, 2017, or 16, excuse me, 16, September. It was her dream to own a yoga studio, and um, so we bought one. Uh, we bought a house the next year in South Berwick, Maine. And uh, that following year, we adopted a little puppy dog named Harry. She wanted a small dog. Uh, she picked him out. Uh, he was a rescue from Arkansas, and uh, it, it sold her when they were, you know, they kind of advertised these dogs, if you will, for adoption. And uh, 
he was a very young puppy. He was sitting in a beach bucket, and that was it for her. So <laughs> we got Harry, and that's how we got Harry. Um, but even before we bought the house, um, Amy um, would uh, she liked her wine. Uh, she'd drink every night, but not. She wasn't stammering drunk or anything like that. She just drank like maybe a glass of wine here or there. Um, it started to become a little bit of an issue where um, she was getting more tipsy every night uh, for a while. And uh, and then she started to kind of like almost become a little belligerent um, and rude. So um, I told her to stop. I said, I can't handle this. Um, I don't want this. I don't deserve to be treated like this. So um, I need you to stop. And she said she would. Uh, I thought it was becoming a problem. I told her that, and she said, I agree. I will stop right now. And I never bought her another bottle of wine again. She never bought one again. But uh, honestly, uh, and we'll get into this, uh, I don't think she ever stopped drinking. Um, I believe she switched to uh, tequila. Uh, doesn't have a smell. Um, and... Uh, I don't know how severe it was at the time, but uh, I think she she didn't she never really stopped. Uh, not because she didn't want to, but I don't think she could. Uh, I believe she thought she had it under control, that she could stop when she wanted to. And you know, and unfortunately for me, and this is where I you know some of my guilt comes in. I told her I didn't want to be with her if she was drinking, and I think she she didn't want to tell me. So she hit it because she thought I'd leave. So, um, you know, we bought the studio. Things were going good. And I remember one day there was a student that used to come to our studio. And I'll tell you right now, this woman is banned from the studio. Because uh, I knew Amy did struggle with the drinking, but she had told me she'd stopped. And this woman started, um, she's an alcoholic and drug abuser herself. Uh, started talking to people. Otherwise, I think she's drinking. I think she has a problem. And like in public places. And I think Amy was at that point, you know, looking back at it now, I think she was at a point where she might have been trying to really get it under control. Um, and this really embarrassed her. Uh, shame is a big part of this, uh, where she just felt shamed, uh, shameful about her problem. I think this incident uh, pushed her further into it, and uh, I confronted this individual about it, and she tried to say, well, she, you know, she needs help, and like, you know, maybe she does, but that's, and pardon my friends, that's none of your fucking business, and honestly, you, if you know a person needs help, let me just tell you, ask the person. Don't go talking to other people in town about it as if it's some sort of gossip story. Uh, it really pissed me off. I was, and to this day, I do not like this person. Uh, in fact, when I did her um, uh, celebration of life, that was the one person that if she showed up, I would tell her to leave. Um, so um, things kind of went on. Um, and over the years, I mean, she started to get a little more sick here and there. Um, uh, she had some celiac issues. Uh, she, uh, again, with the food 
uh, issue. So even though, you know, she ate, but it was very particular. Uh, she would say, if I don't want to eat, I'm not eating. Okay. So like I literally say, what do you want to eat tonight? And it could be like, you know, from San, you know, if I'm in living in South Burway, she could say, I want, you know, something from a, a restaurant in Hamptons. Uh, and I'd go get it because I know she'd eat it. Uh, so that was a big issue. Um, but she was rather healthy. Um, she was doing good. Um, I, I don't think the drinking was under control, but it was not as severe as it was in the end. Um, as time went on, um, something tripped in her, I think, the last year of her life. He said Amy had a lot of demons, and um, her father passed away. I believe it was April of 2015, and uh, she had a lot of issues with her father. Um, I don't know if she had forgiven him, but she definitely had accepted him in a way. Um, they were close, but not close. She was much closer to her mother. She talked to her mother every day, every day. Every, sometimes a few times a day. Um, I think it was a really beautiful thing. Uh, she loved her mother a lot. She always used to say, you know, I love my mother. I don't think we can live close together, but I love her. And uh, I remember she came up to visit um, uh, shortly after we bought the house. And she hadn't seen her mom in a couple years. And uh, she said, when I see my mom, I'm going to scream and cry. <laughs> and um, for Amy, that's a big deal. So, I mean, I, I don't know if her mom's going to listen to this, but I know she loves, she loved her mother. Uh, and her aunt died too. Uh, just, just always talking about them, always talking to them. Um, and she loved them a lot. Um, Amy was easy to love. Um, she had a big heart. She'd listen. Um, she cared deeply. Uh, this also opened her up to getting hurt easily. Um, where... People would use her um, to get things off their chest, which I don't think she mind, but sometimes it was literally using her uh, and her big heart and her willingness to be sympathetic. And I think that it ended up being damaged there too. But the damage is already done. Um, I, I think really, um, so she passed when she was 38 years old. And when she was younger, I would say, you know, uh, 15 to probably 30, um, uh, she, she was hurt a lot, uh, physically, uh, mentally, uh, sexual assault. Um, I don't know how many times, uh, she was abusing drugs. Um, she was a party girl. Let's put it that way. Um, she was used a lot. And I think that, you know, with the uh, eating body dysmorphia, there was a lot less value in herself. Uh, she put on a good show. I think that she was not uh, have a self-esteem issue, uh, but she definitely did. Um, I did see it, but even I don't think I realized how damaged and how much she hurt. Um, it was a, it was very deep. So I'm just going to, I'm going to kind of, skip forward to really the last year of her life. Um, she started thinking a lot more of her dad. Uh, he had died rather young of uh, cancer. 
he also abused alcohol and drugs, um, even while uh, he was married uh, to Amy's mother and while Amy was a young child. Uh, he left when I believe she was 11 years old. Uh, he definitely left uh, Amy and her mom in some very tough conditions. Uh, and I said, like I said, over the years, I think she began to forgive him and make her part, uh, make him part of her life. Um, but I think even in his death, um, he had uh, testicular cancer uh, a couple times, I believe. And the last time he basically said, I'm not fighting anymore. And I think that really upset her. Um, I think it probably triggered something in her that, you know, he didn't fight for her and her mom before. And he was not fighting for her now. But in the last year of her life, she started feeling him a lot, uh, like he was around. She was talking to him um, in her prayers, in her dreams. Um, she was, she missed him. She missed him a lot. And I th think with that, and this was 2020, uh, that in the combination with the uh, COVID hitting, uh, we were no longer teaching it in studio for a little while. Uh, she worked from, she ran the studio day to day while I went to work. Um, I think it became worse. Um, I really think in June of that year is when it really took off. Now looking back in it, she hit it very well. So she wasn't drinking to get drunk. She was getting drinking to function. And even when we, things started to open up a little bit, you know, in the summer, she loved teaching our beach yoga on uh, York Harbor Beach. And uh, it was her favorite thing. And, um, but at the, about, especially that August, so I have a picture of her. Um, we went to see my family that August for my, uh, my parents' 50th anniversary. And there's pictures of her and she looks really healthy. Um, she looks good. Um, she looks very happy. And then, um, it started to go downhill from there. I slowly started to lose weight. Um, more and more sick. Couldn't teach. Uh, in fact, uh, she used to teach a core class every Tuesday night and uh, to the point where she didn't want to teach it to the point where she couldn't do the poses or didn't want to do the poses. So I went with her and I was the, uh, you know, the model, if you will, which actually was a lot of fun. Um, but uh, she started to get more and more sick. Um, I thought it was eating disorder stuff. I think that was, I thought it was, um, uh, you know, uh, the body dysmorphia, uh, self-esteem type thing. And, you know, you know, I hit the mark, but missed the tree, uh, that Christmas, um, I remember she was very excited to go to my family's, uh, Christmas on Christmas Eve. Uh, my brother had, uh, two beautiful twin babies, um, that September because of COVID we couldn't see them. And so, uh, that Christmas was the first time we saw them and Amy loved babies and children. And Oh my God, she was in such heaven with those babies. <laughs> just a smile on her face. I still got pictures of her just holding the babies. And I don't, I mean, like I was trying to like, can I hold one? I, I got her. <laughs> so she just loved them. Um, she was very excited to meet the babies. Um, but after that, um, it, and people even said, hey, she looks a little thinner. And I said, yeah. Now I knew her weight would fluctuate. Uh, she was a very small person anyway. So, I mean, uh, she'd probably fluctuate, you know, uh, anywhere from 130 to 100 pounds. Uh, and she was definitely getting closer to the 100-pound mark. 
And uh, starting in January, I started really noticing down her arms got very skinny. Um, just didn't want to do anything. So in February, I told her, I said, you, you, you got to go see a doctor. This is ridiculous. I said, this is we're going on a year now where uh, you're just not feeling good all the time. I said, you, we need to see a doctor. And uh, she said, oh, I will, I will, I will, I will. And I, I can't blame her. I do the same thing. Um, so it was in March of 2021, um, a couple weeks before she passed. I said, you have to see a doctor. This is ridiculous. And she said, okay, I will. And, uh, so she said she made an appointment. Uh, she said the appointment was when I was at work. She said that she didn't want me to come. I said, that's okay. That's fine. I can respect that. And, uh, that day, um, I came home from work. I asked her about the doctor's appointment, uh, because her stomach was always bothering her. Stomach was always bothering her. And like, again, I thought it was the eating disorder stuff. And, uh, she said, everything is fine. Um, my, you know, my, some of my internal organs are a little inflamed, but I'm okay. Now, as time, as I would find out, she never went and saw a doctor. She never got an ultrasound. Uh, she was lying to me. I said, okay. I said, well, that doesn't make sense. You know, I said, okay, well, you know, she said, well, they're, they're going to follow up with a little more in depth thing uh, in a couple days. I'm like, okay. Uh, the next morning I woke up and she woke up. She woke, usually woke up a little earlier than I did. Um, she was downstairs and I went downstairs. I was getting ready for work and I looked at her and her eyes were yellow, which I know is jaundice um, and liver failure from drinking. I asked her right then, I said, honey, your eyes are yellow. And she kind of, her eyes got real wide. And I said, have you been drinking? And uh, she said, a little, which I know means a lot. And I told her, you have to stop drinking now. It's going to kill you. It's already killing you. She said, yes. Um, I said, you need to step back from everything, the studio, everything. I will take it on. All that matters right now is your health. That's it. Period. End of story. She agreed. Um, I actually emailed all the teachers at the studio that day and just said, you know, Amy needs to take some time for her own health. I will be taking over everything because she did the day to day operations. I just did like the financial part of it. Um, I didn't really get into why I didn't, you know, Amy was embarrassed and um, I knew that. So she stopped drinking. Uh, she told me, Dave, you know, you're gonna have to watch me this week. Um, I'm going to probably get sick and, you know, things of that nature. And I said, okay. And uh, I actually, I was very lucky. Um, I was able to work at home that week. Um, uh, and uh, what happened was um, she just kept getting sicker. Her, her skin started turning yellow. And I was doing research online. You know, what do we do? You know, how do we handle this? And I had things, okay, if you, if you know, you start to notice, you know, this or that, it's, you got to go to the hospital. Okay. In the first couple days, I mean, she was just turning yellow. And I was like, all right, you know, this is part of the process. I said, but you, we need to be talking to a doctor. And she said, okay, um, I'll call the doctor again. So I was working downstairs. She was upstairs in bed. Um, she said she talked to the doctor. The doctor said we were doing everything right. Keep going. She never talked to the doctor. Ever. Uh, at no point did she talk to a doctor, see a doctor at any point during this whole process. 
And uh, she even said that the uh, the results came back, uh, further results, and that you know her, her liver was fine. I said that's that can't be. That doesn't make sense. So I kept doing research. Um, uh, so it was uh, a Thursday. She started shaking. She couldn't walk. Um, I had to carry her to the bathroom. Uh, even drinking and eating. So I got her a bunch of, you know, like uh, probiotic or, you know, uh, smoothie type things to help get nourishment and drinking. I, I had to straw, I had to hold the drink so she could drink it because she started shaking. And I said, this is ridiculous. We have to go see a doctor. And she said, no, no, um, it's too much money. It's, it's going to, uh, you know, I'll mortgage the house. I don't care. And uh, so she's like, no, I, I'll... I'll call the doctor today again and just see what we need to do. Like, okay. Once again, she never did. Uh, she said, the doctor said we were doing everything right. And I said, this doesn't make sense. Uh, so it was uh, that evening on the 26th of March, 2021. Uh, she, I was, uh, I came upstairs and I, she said, you know, I had to pick her up to, to go anywhere. She couldn't walk. So I said, that's it. I said, uh, tomorrow morning, uh, if you don't show, some significant improvement. We're going to the hospital. I don't care what you say. Um, I'm going to throw you over my shoulder, put you in my truck, and we're going to the hospital. Um, about ten o'clock that night, a little before, uh, she said she had to use the she had to throw up. I got out of bed, I picked her up, uh, brought her to the bathroom, uh, literally stabilized her as she bent over the toilet to try to throw up and nothing came out. And she said, okay, uh, nothing's there. I said, oh, I want to go back to bed. Okay. I picked her up, carried her back into the bedroom, laid her down on the bed, and she was gone. Her eyes were open. Excuse me. I called her name with no answer. I actually slapped her on the face. I ran and got the phone. I called 911. And I got them on their way and I started chest compressions. I put her back on the floor so I, the chest compressions would be more effective. So tip one. If someone needs CPR, put them on a hard surface. I did chest compressions for 10 minutes. The uh, medics got there at the 10-minute mark. I let them in. Immediately, they ran upstairs. They started chest compressions on her for another 10 minutes. And they eventually got her heart started. Uh, unless to any of us, she was already gone. They put her in the car, uh, the ambulance, and they took her to um, Wentworth Douglas Hospital in Dover. Uh, on the way, uh, I called my mother. Um, I called her mother, and I called her aunt. Amy and I had actually talked about what would happen if something happened to one of us, and I always remember she said, call my aunt first, because my mom's going to need her.
they brought her into the emergency room. I couldn't see her. So I was waiting. A oh, good friend of mine, Carol, texted me just to say hi. How is everything going? I told her. God bless her and her daughter, Lindsay. They came to the hospital. And uh, they stayed with me through the whole thing. Um, they had to intubate her. The doctor came in and told us that she was very sick. Uh, they did an MRI. Um, the initial MRI said there was damage, but to the extent we don't know. And I, I asked him, I was like, you know, damage how? Like, you know, she's gone or, or like she's going to have to learn how to use a fork again. And he said, we don't really know at this point. I know this guy's an ER doc. Uh, he's, he's not a neurologist. Uh, he's a neurologist will be in in the morning, but she's stable. Uh, we're doing everything we can to make sure she stays in that stable condition and has a chance to get better. And uh, I was able to see her. I held her hand. Told her I loved her. And uh, they had to bring her upstairs to the uh, critical care unit. Now, he couldn't go. And so I said, when can I come back? And I said, well, rounds start at 8 a.m. That's when the neurologist is going to look at her. And I said, okay. I said, so if you get here around 9, you know, you'll be able to talk to the neurologist. So uh, I actually had to get my second COVID shot that day. <laughs> uh, so and, uh, at my work. So I went to my work. Uh, I was sitting in the gym. I had just got my COVID shot, and they make you wait there 15 minutes. And a phone call came in. And it was the neurologist. I had, uh, I should backtrack a little bit so that, you know, it was about 3.30 in the morning when I left the hospital and uh, he uh, called her mom and said, listen, it looks like, you know, she's stable. They think she can get better. And, you know, honestly, that was probably the best news I could possibly hear at that point and staying with her. So we were kind of happy. And, um, I, uh, waiting for the 15 minutes and I called and it was the neurologist and she told me that the chance of Amy waking up was almost non-existent. And um, that I needed to come and talk to her. And at the time, the rules for COVID, but she could only have one guest each day for two hours. So I said, you know, what do I have to do? So she come in and talk to me, and I'll get a social worker to help you, because we've got to talk about some things. Okay. So I went to the hospital. Um, I saw her for a few moments. And uh, I talked to the neurologist, and she basically gave me the same prognosis. And she said, you know, you're not married. And we were engaged. And um, a little caveat, and the engage 
<laughs> I asked her to marry me at the studio. Um, we redid the studio in 2016 over Christmas. There used to be mirrors and carpet in the studio. We tore all that out. Well, let me caveat, I tore all that out. <laughs> and I put up drywall and painted and we put floors in and um, redid the studio. And um, we were reopening on January 1st, 2020 with our annual Resolve to Evolve class, which is a day that um, we do like an hour and a half practice or is it two hours, one of the two. Amy teaches it, I kind of assist. And uh, at the beginning of class, uh, we give everybody a piece of paper and uh, a pen and everybody writes down something they want to let go of, something that's no longer serving them and they slide it underneath their mat. We do the practice and then um, once everybody goes into Shavasana, I go outside and I start a fire. And then when everybody leaves the class, they come out and they throw the they're what's no longer serving them into the fire and lets it go. It was all this is all Amy, it was all Amy's idea. But uh so uh January thirty first, uh, we were getting everything kind of ready, uh final thing, and uh to get the studio ready and I, I had bought a ring a few weeks earlier, a couple weeks earlier and she liked her, liked her blue sapphire, non-conflict diamonds. And I put it on, <laughs> um, I, I, I was putting together the fire pit and I was putting it together. Um, Amy and I met at the studio uh, and I was putting it on the fire pit right by where she put her mat first down when we first met. And I pretended to drop uh a screw and pretended it rolled underneath the baseboard. I said, oh, shit. She was what? I said, I dropped the screw and it's underneath the baseboard. Can you grab it? My hands are too big. <laughs> Typically, fashion. Hell no, there could be spiders under there. <laughs> and of course, the ring is waiting under there for her. <laughs> um... I said, well, can you at least look for it and tell me where it is? And she even complained about it. I said, well, I don't, you know, getting close to the floor. And what she did, and she looked, and she goes, what's that? And I said, what do you think that is? And she goes, it looks like a ring. Someone dropped a ring. <laughs> but then I brought it out, and she saw it was the ring that she wanted. And uh, she said yes. <laughs> she was very happy. And then she used to joke, because I used to joke all the time after that. I said, you know, hey, when do you want to get married? She goes, I just want the ring. But anyway, so go back to talking to the neurologist. Um, she told me what I needed to hear, um, that the chances of her waking up was almost none. And I said, what does almost none mean? Like, you're, like we're 70% or like, you know, 99. She said 99. So what do I have to do? She said, because we've been living together for over three years in the state of Maine, I had certain rights, but I couldn't end care. And I need to prepare for that. So a social worker came upstairs, helped me fill out the paperwork, file with um, York County, because that's where I live. Um, I filled it out. I raced to the courthouse in uh, Alfred. But I had to call her mom. Amy is an only child. And 
and uh, I called her and I said, Maureen, I need you to come up here. And she said, why? She's going to be fine. I said, no, she's not. I think you need to come say goodbye to your daughter. And it was probably the hardest phone call I've made in my life. And Maureen doesn't like to drive, so... I said, if I got to send a car, buy you a plane ticket, you tell me I need you up here. It's got to happen. Um, she has a, a cousin that Amy grew up with. It's like her sister. Um, Maureen called. Uh, she's got several sisters. And uh, she called uh, one of them that that, uh, that has, is the mother of the cousin. And God bless her. She said right away, Maureen will be right there. We're going right now. And they did. They were up there that day. I have to say something about the nurses at the critical care unit in Dover. They were so fantastic. Anything I needed, anything her family needed, they were, just did it. Just did it. Um, they threw the COVID rules out the window for visitation because they knew and I really really appreciate that and I still do um my mom called me that night she came up which I truly appreciated um my mom loved Amy I think they had a connection and uh I know it's towards my mom to this day. So, um, the process that we had to go through, because when the doctor told me, she said, you know, it's she's not going to wake up. I said, if there's a chance, I owe it to Amy and I owe it to her mom to do everything we have to do to make sure that we make the right decision. Um, the process for a brain injury is they cool the body down several degrees. This helps alleviate any possible further swelling of the brain and helps mitigate any brain possible damage. Once the body has been cooled to that level, they start to slowly warm it up to back to its core temperature. At that time, they can do a MRI to see what damage has been done officially. This takes a few days. So um, Friday, her mom came up. They had started the cooling process. On Saturday, late evening, the cooling process had stopped and they started to begin to warm her up. And this takes well over 24 hours. So we had all day Sunday, and then Monday she was back to her regular temperature and stabilized that they would be able to do a MRI. In that time, um, my mom came, my sister came. She had a few friends come 
Uh, one's actually a nurse at the hospital. And uh, they were able to say goodbye. Uh, so uh, Amy, like I said, she was a ballerina. She loved her fashion, her leopard print. Uh, she had some, I used to buy her handbags. Oh my God. Her purses, big purses, big sunglasses. Um, so that last week where she was not well, you know, she wasn't able to shower. And so her hair was a mess. And I remember Saturday, I just felt this heaviness over the room. Uh, my mom's very intuitive and she said, it's because she doesn't know what's going on and she's embarrassed about how she looks, which is definitely Amy. And uh, that night I came back and the nurses at the critical care unit were doing her hair. They had washed her hair and now they were combing all the knots out and they put it in a top bun, which they didn't know she was a ballerina. That's how she loved to wear her hair. Amy wasn't particularly religious, but... Um, She, uh, I got her to have last rites done. We we're talking to her mom. She goes, well, why would we do that? Because, you know, she's going to be okay. I said, just in case. Just in case. We can always have last rites done again if she may pulls through. Um, Sunday came and went. Um, Sunday, I have to say, the room was much lighter when her hair was done. You can almost feel a um, uh, relief. Monday came. I was at the hospital early. Um, I also want to say just real quick. So I told all the instructors at the studio that Amy was in the hospital. I didn't tell anybody else. And that I needed coverage for my classes for I don't know how long. I didn't have to cancel one class for a month until I came back. They took care of the studio for me, and I'm really, really appreciative. They all really stepped up to the plate. And, uh, and I just, if you don't mind me backtracking, because I think I think so, the week that she was really sick. It's odd how things work out. I, uh, she talked to me that, and I think it was the most honest conversations we've had. I pulled 10 trash bags, big trash bags worth of vodka bottles out of the house, 10. And I'm a pretty observant person. And I didn't see it. She hid it well. And believe it or not, I still find a bottle here and there. Still. Monday came. I got there early. I said, okay. We are going to... Um, bring her for the MRI. This takes a few hours. Okay. So we all 
left the hospital. I told the doctor, I said, don't call her mother. You call me. I need to hear this and I have to make the decision. Uh, the paperwork had come through uh, from the state of Maine that I was in charge of all medical decisions. And I did do this in a vacuum, believe me. Um, as I talked to Amy while she was in that state, I promised her I would take care of her and her mother. And that I would do everything until there was no other choice. For her and for her mother. They called me at 345. They said, can you come in? I said, yes. And I went in. I was sitting next to Amy, and um, they showed me her brain scan. There was nothing left. She was gone. Uh, the brain was completely destroyed. Only very, very, very basic functions. And even that was an if. At that point, my only question was, tell me she's not going to live long, and she's not going to suffer. The doctor said, I said, so how long will she last? And she said, she could be months, it could be days, it could be hours. And the only time I kind of got perturbed with anybody at the hospital, I was just like, Doc, tell me what you think. Don't tell me what the book says to say. Tell me what you think. And she said, um, I don't think she'll last an hour. I said, thank you. Uh, at that point, I called her mom and I asked them to come to the hospital, which they did. My mother did too. I gave them the prognosis. Obviously, they were all very upset, especially her mother. And um, I had a plan. I already told the uh, nurses how I wanted to go. That at about 6 o'clock, I wanted everybody to come in and say their goodbyes. Individually or apart, we had an hour. At that point, I was going to say my goodbye. And then ask for the remote care. There were a couple hiccups here and there, but I don't need to get into, but About 7.30, 7.20, I should say, they started removing care. They told me I didn't need to be in the room because they could be a little upsetting. But I, I didn't want to leave her alone. They removed care. So she had to breathe on her own. I just held her hand. Care was fully removed at 7.30. I held her hand. I just kept telling her it was okay. 
her that I will miss her and that I forgive her. She passed away at 756. so exhausted it's when you have I don't know if this is goes for everybody in this but I was so exhausted I just I get home every night during this and I would pass out but I'd only pass out for like two three hours and I'd be wide awake the next day I I told all the teachers and I didn't know how I was going to bring it forward to the yoga in your community because they did love her. <laughs> just to tell you just how much she was loved and I'm loved. And I'm very lucky. So it was Monday, Tuesday. <laughs> I started getting emails because I teach on Monday nights. Dave, I noticed you were didn't. I, I never need a sub. You didn't teach last night, and I noticed you're off the schedule. Is everything okay? No, everything's not okay. So I put it out in a, uh, an email campaign that Wednesday. Amy struggled a lot. She had a lot of demons. She was also beautiful. She laughed a lot. Kind. And she loved me. I think sometimes we take being loved for granted. very protective. Harry, knock it off. And, uh, come here. Harry, come here. Harry, I'm talking to you. Come here. Come here. Let's not bark during the bark. Is this, this okay? Harry, what did I say? Thank you. <laughs> He's just going to go somewhere else and bark now. <laughs> yep. Wait, give it a second. He's growling. I don't know what he's barking at. Who knows? Anyway, there it is. Um, Harry, it's all right. It's all right. I know. I know. All right. That's enough. But I just want to say that two things I kind of came out of this. First, um, when I talked to the neurologist that day, that first day, when she was diagnosed as probably not waking up. I'll always remember this because I, I hope other people hear this. She said that it would have been better if she was on heroin. Heroin and other hard drug you can, you can recover from. 
You can go through all this and you'll be all right. You'll process it through the system and you'll recover. Not alcohol. Alcohol kills you. Um, it's a disease. And it wasn't really the alcohol that killed her. It was the shame. The embarrassment. She didn't reach out for help because she was embarrassed. I hope anybody out there that hears this, please don't be embarrassed. And if you ask for help and someone rejects you, then go to somebody else. I guarantee you there are people that love you in this world that want you alive and want you healthy. I would have mortgaged the house, cashed in all my retirements. I would have given up organs. I would have done whatever it took, but I never got the chance. So I want you to know that you're not alone out there. If you need help, please get help. If not for you, for the ones you love. I wouldn't wish what I had to go through in those four days on anybody ever. If you are struggling, I hope you understand the pain of helping you recover is far less than the pain of losing you. That you are worth it. And I understand the shame, but the love will conquer that. Thank you for listening. Um, I'm not doing this for sympathy. I am doing it to help others so that they don't hopefully have to go through what I went through or Amy went through. And uh, I'll talk more about Amy too than some of the funny stories as well. But thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day.